Hey everyone, it's another wrestling podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Allen's one with me, Gwen Brant on Ryan Fox. Guys, how are y'all? I'm doing all right. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, Ryan's had a great week. <laughs> he really has. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> That's good to hear. Man, we got another pay-per-view review to do. You know what? Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry I won't keep my one off. How dare you? Well, also, we shouldn't have taken a request either. <laughs> but it's fine. We're good. This. Wait. What? I think I just had a stroke. Why is Ryan the most confused out of all of us? <laughs> I think I did. Never mind. Anyways, you know what? SummerSlam 02 is what we're talking about, though. How about that? That, that is that's, so that's what, the I, show. Was, that's that what is, I was told. That is the show. Yeah, oh, that's why he was confused. <laughs> I thought he watched the wrong show. <laughs> we should do that just one time. Just, <laughs> just say, like, hey, we're going to review this, and then have you watch something different. Sure, go ahead. Okay. It would be hilarious, dude. Sick brain. Great. I, know, I right? would have so much more input. Maybe it would be more fun if you just guessed. <laughs> Honestly? <laughs> so just don't watch anything. <laughs> I mean, we're not reviewing anything next week, are we? No. Okay. Now you got another list. Good. Anyways, SummerSlam 02. August, this is doing a great start. August 25th in 2002 from Uniondale, New York. Long Island, boy. You know any famous Long Island wrestlers? Well, there's only one that I can think of currently. Union Dale Dale. I mean, Matt Cardona, mm-hmm. MJF. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all I got. <laughs> I don't know if there's anybody else. Kurt Hawkins count. Brian Myers. I don't think he's Long Island. I think he's uh, he's Queens because he's the Prince of Queens. That's the front door to Long Island. No, that's the King of Queens. That's <laughs> that's Kevin James. <laughs> <laughs> um, from the Nassau Coliseum with an attendance of. Ooh, I forgot. I'm going to say 12,000, though. 15. 14,700. Fun fact. ECW uh, October 30th, 2007 happened in the Sala Coliseum. Uh, had an attendance of 12,000. That was before a SmackDown taping, probably. That's actually pretty good for ECW. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, that's not a fun... We literally re- reviewed that episode, like, back in the day. <laughs> oh, that's true. I wasn't there for that one. That was my first host. That's right. Uh, with a buy rate of 540000 Supposedly, of course, some Pretty people, good episode. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we cut out the... We just trimmed it up a little bit. You all right? I was waiting to say trim the fat. I was figuring out... I would have been... You know what? I would, I would have applauded you, you know. Well, see, I was going to say that, and then I stopped, and I was thinking, hell, can then I... Then he's being nice. Because I had, <laughs> I had already right. said trim, and I was like... <laughs> Uh, That's why it sounded like you had a stroke. I was like, yeah. I was like what is he trying to say? <laughs> what are you stroking on this episode, you know? Anyways, um, some people are stroke throwing this out there to be... The <laughs> some people are comparing this show to WrestleMania X7 as the greatest pay-per-view ever. We'll see. I disagree. I think WrestleMania X7 is way better. I saw most of it, so no, actually, is my opinion. No was a good opinion. <laughs> I mean that is that is that is fair. Uh but of course fans and critics call it the greatest SummerSlam ever. That's I think that's why you get comparisons of WrestleMania X seven. Um so may as well dive right into it. Of course, playing our favorite game. Guess that heat match. Oh boy. That's right. So you ready for this? All right, two thousand and two. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> I remember two thousand two. Keep in mind. I was watching at this point. Chavo Guerrero. No. It's a raw match if that helps. <laughs> no, it, okay. it doesn't. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh O two. 
I, I don't know. I was just waiting to see what Hints? Um, Dudley? I mean, that's, that's, Spike? Yeah, Spike Dudley took on... Uh, Another small guy. Hook. Pretty close. <laughs> Wait, what? Baby, no, I'm just kidding. Um, took on Chris Benoit. Hmm. <laughs> you just compare Hook to Chris Benoit? No, no, no. No, he, no, he took on uh, Stephen Richards. So, And I call Benoit Stephen Richards sometimes. You but, just you just gave away the secret. You're never you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, I know. Bob. I just broke Cap Five. I'm sorry. Kafab. <laughs> um. Oh, I did. I did see that guy posted on Twitter or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what wrestling fan? Uh, what was it? Eight eight four. Yeah. Well, we were talking. What was that last week? On if he was still doing anything. Uh, anyways on the show <laughs> it might not have, it might have been when we were playing uh, ignition the other night but if you guys want to play ignition with us you can add us on xbox <laughs> just, just add us on xbox soon uh every night almost uh all right we need to get into this episode <laughs> anyways it's 2002 so ruthless aggression is running wild brother um brand split also just happened over in i believe march so like the week after mania they did the draft and split the brands up with um, pretty much divided up. So you had at one point general manager Vince McMahon, general manager Ric Flair. Brands were split with WCW guys, a few others, um, and one world title. So ratings are already going down after Attitude Era because that's just the trend. They were already going down after WCW got bought out. But they continued to go further and further down up until about June or so. That's until when the flames got higher. And so it they, burned, burned, okay. burned, burned. <laughs> right, I'm done. So then uh, they decided to make a huge change, which is actually splitting up the writers' room. So they have a Raw writing team and a SmackDown writing team. Raw's led by Brian Gewertz, and SmackDown was led by Paul Heyman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so this is Paul Heyman's SmackDown, which we'll talk a little bit more about uh, them. Uncle or at Paul. Least <laughs> Uncle, oh, Uncle Paul. Um, with this actual first match, with two of the SmackDown six. So it's Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio opening the match. Um... By the way, solid opener. And you mentioned I was trying to I actually watched it just to see, but you said Ray's pop. There was none. There was no pop for there Ray. Was Ray didn't get a reaction. No reaction for Ray. And honestly, Ray didn't get much, like Ray didn't get a positive reaction sometimes throughout the match. Well, like so Kurt got just a monstrous reaction as he does. He's Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. Um just started the USUC chance, by the way. Yeah, and they were loud. Um But you have like Who's that jumping out the sky? And then, like, <clears throat> nothing. And then no Ray. And then they turn around, and he's getting ready to springboard in, and, like, a little bit of buzzing for that. Mm-hmm. Nobody cared still, though. So And I was confused. I tried to chalk it up as they still really don't know Rey Mysterio because he had only debuted a month, literally a month prior in July 25th. Yeah. But even throughout the match, like, Kurt was getting cheered. Like, a lot. when Kurt won the match... He got a huge pop, and I couldn't really figure it out why. Does it end? Kurt's heel. Kurt's heel since like November of '01, so he's on a long heel run. He just had the feud with Edge, which is really good. Just had his head shaved, so like he's kind of on a roll as a good heel. But then he goes up against Ray, and I don't know if it was because Ray was new or whatever. But also Ray attacking him from behind, like the heel he is. Honestly, so there's actually a funny story behind that. So they didn't give Ray a light under the ring. All he had for a light was a monitor to see when his cue was. He also wasn't wearing his mask. 
because why would you? I mean, so he had a, so all he's under there. He has a hoodie on. He has his gear on, and he's looking at the monitor wait for his cue, and he couldn't find his mask. So he's trying to feel around for his mask. Feel like grabs it almost as his cue's ready, throws it on, and then does this. Uh, I guess the attack from behind and you actually will see a little bit to start off the match. See him like holding onto his mask, pulling it around because it wasn't on correctly. It ain't like latched on saying. all the way. So, um, it's not cinched in. <laughs> <laughs> so we get some really solid back and forth. Uh, it was also really good to see. And this is actually, I don't know if it's a fun fact, but, uh, Kurt actually wrestled a little bit of race style. Obviously he's not springboarding or doing crazy stuff, but he's actually yeah. letting Ray get some stuff in. Um, supposedly that was Kurt's idea. Like originally the plan was for that not to happen, but Kurt had said, I want to adjust to your style and, um, uh, and actually, you know, let you get a lot of offense in. So that's why you see Ray get tons of offense, gets to really do his full move set. And then you kind of see Kurt take over a little bit. And I thought, I re- honestly thought without watching it ever, or maybe rewatching, I wasn't sure how their styles would work out well, even though like you look at Oh five, like the episode we covered with JBL and Godzilla, had a really solid match, but I wasn't sure this being the first one if it would be good. But their styles didn't clash at all. Um, so, <laughs> uh, solid match, and then we get Terry will getting the win on the uh, yeah. out of the ankle lock. Yeah, nine and a half minutes. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> or C. Come on, I hate you even. Yeah. There you go. All right. That's all you had to do. You made up for whatever um, that was. Solid match. For under 10 minutes, they did a lot, which was really good. A lot of people talk about this match, mm-hmm. like, all the time. Unless I'm, unless they're talking about a different Kurt Ray match. I, I only know of... Well, they did... So, they're part of the SmackDown 6, and they end up wrestling a lot from, like, 02 to about 06 when Kurt leaves. But I specifically remember this match... And Motus has opened the show, and it's more... Mem- you know, Motus, it's actually been shown a little bit more, and it was at a pay-per-view... Um, I'll go and say it's my match of the night. Like I thought it was great in ring action, and of course I like Kurt. So, um, let's say y'all, y'all, y'all ain't opinions on the match, you know? That's pretty daggum good. Daggum right. Yeah. So this, in part, was seeing Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio get some prominence. This is because of Paul Heyman's influence on the writing team. Hence, why there's the SmackDown Six, which consisted of Kurt, Ray, Edge, Chavo, and Eddie, and then Chris Benoit. So further down the line. At Survivor Series, let's see a triple threat tag match between the there for the tag titles, and it's the Guerreros versus Edge and Ray, and then Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. I think actually Kurt Angle and Benoit versus Ray and Edge at No Mercy O Two ends up being like match of the year or something in O Two, uh, which we I think we have covered No Mercy O Two and it was pretty solid from my memory. I haven't seen it since we've covered it, and that was I mean, almost two. What storyline were we doing? Katie Vick. Because I, I made a deal with Ryan. Hey, we'll cover Katie Vick, but only in, like, we already covered Raw Roulette. We'll go through all of Katie Vick in that one episode, and we did. So, and then covered solid matches like Brock, Taker, and Hell in a Cell, and then the tag match with uh, Ray and Edge and Curtin Midwall. So, um, solid opener. Uh, Ray sells his ankle after the match, and then we did a backstage segment um, with Stephanie walking with some jobber with a headset. Um, walked into her office only to find Bischoff in there. Bischoff said this is the only office for a GM. He's doing step GM. 
<laughs> okay, not gonna lie. Okay, hold on. Like, I was gonna say something later in the show. No, but I really thought no, no. There was a lot of tension between the two, which made me think, hey, hold on. This is gonna be a storyline. Literally from my notes, am I the only one that felt sexual tension in the room when Bischoff and Steph? So it does make sense because later on, I think on the Halloween episode of SmackDown, there's a guy dressed up and wearing a Vince McMahon mask, and Stephanie ends up kissing the guy in the Vince mask. And it turns out to be Eric Bischoff. Ron, would you kiss a woman wearing a mask of your mother? No, probably not. <laughs> Man. Could, could you imagine Vince, which Bruce Pritchard actually likes the funny story of it. <laughs> like, Could you imagine Vince producing that segment? <laughs> or but he's like, you know what? I think we're going to have Stephanie. She's going to kiss this guy in a costume. Well, what's the costume going to be? It's going to be a man in a suit. Wearing a mask of me. <laughs> What? <laughs> so, <laughs> a man in a suit wearing a mask of me. <laughs> so you didn't kiss your dad. <laughs> and they did. So, Halloween episode. That's where we actually got to see uh, John Cena debut his rapping gimmick. So, um, how about that? So tune in next time. And tune in next time for whichever the Halloween episode of SmackDown. <laughs> that one holiday episode. Oh. <sighs> They sat down to watch the show together during this, and they stay, I think, in the yeah. office. I mean, who show. knows what they did when That's the right. cameras weren't I back mean, there? You just see Eric put on the mask. <laughs> Could have answered emails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, later on, JR and Jerry Lawler are shown by their perch near the entrance, which is uh, kind of their common commentary area now. So, Quick question. Does it throw you guys at off when the hard cam is on the opposite side yes. of, like... Where it usually is. And this era is weird about doing it a lot. Like I feel like 05, every other week, the hard cameras move. Dude, in 09, I feel like it, like, especially on SmackDown. Yeah. And now every time, I don't know if it's true for WWE, but every time AEW goes to Pittsburgh. That's right. They, they, they are on. Didn't they do it in Miami? Wasn't it swapped over in Miami? When did they go to Miami? Is that when Malachi... That was when Malachi debuted. No, that was normal. That, was that normal? There was a show they had done not long after introducing fans back where the heart... And it may have been Pittsburgh, but I thought there was another sp- I think it place. was that Rampage in Pittsburgh. Okay. I was about to say, I thought that, there was uh, another Where time. Christian won the... Uh... Yeah, yeah. Cause, yeah. Okay. It's that one. Yeah. And also, this is also an era... They don't do yeah. it now, but later on... Right. Ryan knows. <laughs> later on, like especially in 05, not only are they swapping the hard cam around, which is a little weird, they're also swapping sets. So like, there's some times where... Raw has the SmackDown set, and then SmackDown has a Raw set. It's a little weird, but Ryan, you know wires. Why? Uh, why? <laughs> why would you know? Maybe the hard cam be on the opposite side in certain arenas. I suppose it would depend on where the uh, AV ports are. Ah, oh, fair enough. But you, I mean, you could run cables to. You can run extensions. It's, it, I guess it's all about how much of like a pain in the ass they were willing to go through to get it on the side yeah, they wanted. Okay. I and mean, this it is from just the depends on what. The internet. Just depends on what every what each arena is set up for and what they have available. Thank you for I'd listening to this I'm segment not, of Wires with Ryan. I'm not. I've never been in the production side of anything, but that would make sense to me. You should start up a podcast called Wired Up. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Ma- maintenance up. <laughs> no. Okay. Anyways, maintenance monologue. <laughs> Chris. Next match is Chris Jericho and Ric Flair. They show the build up to this match, which is just Jericho being, you know. Uh, the cocky, arrogant heel that he is. He's running through the King of the World gimmick at this point, which, by the way, I don't know if he's introduced his saliva theme yet. But for a short time, he actually comes out to a saliva theme, which is actually really good. Um, by the way, I will have you know, 
they acknowledged Fozzie as Jericho's they did. thing. And I, I remember, I don't know if it was on an episode where you said that they never did, but you t- you mentioned the it was, not. It was the JBL Godzilla episode because they never say, hey, Chris Jericho did this song with Fozzie. Like this <clears> is, I guess maybe it's implied. No, but- they weren't plugging it, but they were like kind of making like, not backhanded compliments, but they were just... I don't really know what I'm saying. I guess just acknowledging the fact, hey, he has a band, which, I mean, they've been on the show before because they did that concert that we're about to talk about, and they did the Battle of the Bands with Cena, <laughs> where they had Fozzie singing the song, and then Cena would just rap. <laughs> like, it was great. Um, By the way, have you seen the scene from Cobra Kai of that dude yes, singing Fozzie? Like, jamming out to it in the car and then walking in his house just singing, I'm becoming, becoming, becoming. That was also double or nothing in 2021. <clears throat> just a little bit louder. Also trying to anger people, and was he not singing Roman Reigns' thing? Baby, baby, <laughs> I was doing old Roman Reigns. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be much difference. Yeah. Um, that's how you know when someone's over. Yeah, when they sing your own theme song on your cruise ship. That is also who would have thought. <laughs> which, not to mention, you know who else is on that cruise ship and doing stuff on the cruise ship? Fozzie's having a live concert. So, you know what? Hear me out. There may have been some Fozzie fans there. No. Hey, Marco Stunt also sang. That is true. I'm proud of him. Marco Stunt's <laughs> Ryan's long-lost son. <laughs> My boy! <laughs> Anyways, uh, they show us a uh, clip of Jericho Brawling with Flair on Raw to set up the match. They also show a clip of the Fozzie concert. Flair comes out khakis white t-shirt covered in blood he is bleeding profusely and knocking down amps smashing guitars here's your match it's just gonna be hundreds of hundreds of thousands of equipment (laughs) (laughs) it's gotta be a lot of equipment so so jared does the heel flair's face do y'all know how old flair is at this point oh 49 52 they said it. Uh, <laughs> I they also here's another thing that I did not because I always I've mentioned before they've never acknowledged Fozzie being with Jericho or Jericho being a member of Fozzie. I've never really heard them mention that Flair's actually not born in Charlotte because they mentioned it. Oh, hey, they did. He's from Charlotte by way of Minneapolis, yeah. which is that's where he was born in. So uh, old school, back when wrestling was wrestling. <laughs> That's right. I mean, that's right, son. <laughs> um, but of course, it's JR, and JR will always try to throw in little tidbits like that. They do it with the Miz's entrance. That is true, but I'm talking about like knowledge like on commentary, because I've never, and of course, I don't remember listening to much commentary from, I guess, when he was in his run from like 02 to 08, but I don't remember him really mentioning that he was actually born in Minneapolis, like, or he's from Minnesota. Like They just say he's from Charlotte, and of course, the announcer will say he's from Charlotte, but hearing JR say, well, he's from Charlotte, but he came there by way of Minnesota by boat. Like, <laughs> like no one really has mentioned that because not many people actually know that he's not from Charlotte originally. So, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. So, um, apparently this is like, according to Flair, one of his worst times as a wrestler. I wonder what attributed to that. I wonder if it was something outside of wrestling that did. I'm not saying, oh, what he doing? Uh, drugs? Um, like. No, so he, he mentioned on Broken Skull and tons of other podcasts, his confidence. For some reason, his self-confidence was shot. Dude, he looked so good, though. He really, at 52, he looked really solid. Um, better than he did, what was that, Two month, month or two ago? 
<laughs> but even then, I mean, he said he was going to be better than 1999 Flair. <laughs> if you wouldn't, which I mean, to be fair, he did wrestle in a T-shirt for his last part of his WCW run and his last match. That is true. Um, but he actually looked really good here, and he looked like Ric Flair. Like he, he, he has said multiple times, like <laughs> no, I mean, like even, even though even he has said in podcasts, you know, I just don't look like Ric Flair. I was like. And I get what he means. I remember, uh, who the, uh, F-U-R. That was to uh, take her. That was to take her. Who gives a shit? (laughs) I I, I prefer your serious impression of Flair over your over-the-top version of Flair. I want to hear more. I want to hear more serious Flair. Because serious Flair just sounds. It sounds real. (laughs) Do it again. Do it again. Talk to me, Rick. Do the thing. Do it. Yeah, I didn't feel like Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> you said the same thing you said a minute ago. I know. Is that same all you are? know? Pretty much, yeah. Because <laughs> I never knew serious Flair. More words. So, it's just a confident thing. Because in, you know, in my mind, Steve, I just knew. Said, never mind. <laughs> no, it's Sylvester Stallone. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Rocky. Um, but he had mentioned multiple times that he just didn't feel like he was his old self. Which, granted, he's 52. He's been wrestling since the 70s. You're not going to feel like you did at your peak era, which is in the 80s for him. So, I get it, but... You know, aging's a thing. It is. But apparently not to Ric Flair. Re- wrestlers don't seem to know that, dude. <laughs> Honestly. Like, 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 they just get... I, just, I, I don't understand why I, I'm not working as the way I used to. Like, maybe because you're 30 years older than you were. Yeah, so... And then you see Flair... Does a retired NFL player go, man, I just can't do it the, the same way I used to. <laughs> like, what? Why's my head hurt? <laughs> <laughs> so Flair's only had a couple in ring matches since coming back uh, in November of '01. So he has a street fight with Flair, or no, with McMahon. Sorry, he doesn't fight, fight with, with Flair. himself. Well, it's a constant battle every day. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was in a street fight with myself. Sorry, <laughs> it's even worse the more I talk. I'm just gonna move on. And then he has the Mania match with Taker, which was actually really solid I enjoyed and it. really good. That was a street fight, wasn't it? No DTU. Okay. Yeah, which is the same thing. But yeah, it, it is. <laughs> um, and then he actually feuds with Austin, and guess what Austin does in the middle of their feud? Leaves. <laughs> so <laughs> we're at the peak era of Austin. I think Austin leaves in about June around King of the Ring, and he was feuding with Flair at the time because it was Flair being a heel authority figure, Austin being just, you know, normal, normal baby face, you know? Um, so... And then Austin leaves, so Flair's kind of doing nothing. I think actually, instead of Austin taking on Brock... Flair takes on Brock in the King of the Ring tournament. So then they turn him face, and he's having this match with Jericho. Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was pretty solid. It was, of course, it's a basic Ric Flair match, which yeah. I'm not going to say is a bad thing. Honestly, like I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but you know, basic moves, basic in-ring stuff with you know just over-the-top you know character work is just as good as a high-spot match. I mean, well, that's why I and we've talked about before, like. I will consider Flair the best of all time because, yes, does his matches change? No. But, I mean, he transcended the business even with simple but matches. there are people that, that did, like, okay, so he do, he did, he does great character work mm-hmm. and okay wrestling, right? Yeah, and he's even mentioned that. He said, I'm but not a great wrestler. There are people that have done great character work and good wrestling. I mean, Triple H, for example, mm-hmm. Randy Orton, and they've won a lot of championships. So, like... I don't understand why Flair is on a pedestal that like can't be touched by anybody I else. I think the argument that's being made 
I guess by older fans, like ones who actually watched NWA in the 80s, is that if Rick, without Ric Flair, there is no guys like Triple H, Rock, and things like that. Yeah, but there are, and like, like I, I mean, there's well, an argument I mean, that they're better. I mean, well, no, I mean, I think even Flair went to, like, if you ask Flair the greatest of all time, it's he's not going to say him. Now, he has, he has different criteria. He'll say, you know, it's like... Hogan and Draw, Austin. Drawing money, money is a big thing, yeah. And the thing is, Flair drew money. So I can argue Flair being the greatest in terms of money, and you can throw in accomplishments, because, I mean, 17 world titles at least acknowledged. He says he's won 23 or 21. So, um, I mean, so it is iffy. He's up there for me, I, which I flip-flop anyways on who's the greatest of all time, because I think it's hard to determine, because it's wrestling. I mean, it's right. like you, uh, have yeah. your, you have your greatest technicians, you got your greatest draws, and you got your just greatest characters. You can argue Flair being the, one of the greatest characters, like, or at least arguing him with him and Taker of being the greatest characters. Uh, Promo-wise, I think I think Flair's probably the greatest promo. Even though he's wild and bonkers and coked out, doesn't matter. Never really said much either. It was just... Exactly. Like, but again, he's still, like... I think it just could be the aura. That's why I think you could probably more so fit him in on one of the greatest characters. Because he's larger than life. And still, even at 52, larger than life. And even though he's doing the same stuff, it worked. That's kind of the thing about it. Uh, and you just say that about every other guy who's had the same matches, same moves, and then the same character. With Hogan, we clearly see Hogan to do no wrong, apparently, like, and still get It's like reactions. Cena wasn't super over the top, but he did good character work. Mm-hmm. Just like... And, and honestly, kind of about the same in the ring. So I'm saying, like, some people argue Cena being at the top, but I think for me it's because... I mean, he was at the top of the top, you know? He was, he was at the top of the biggest industry, the biggest company in the industry. That's always been my argument, depending on what, like, criteria we're using to discuss it. And that's the, I think it's all subjective and depends on like, opinion. Because you could say Shawn Michaels is the greatest of all time and you have an argument. I, I will say it, say it's... Say Taker... Yeah, Shana, and, thing, and Blair, people will throw it around that like, Hogan, oh, well, Austin. Yeah, because like people argue yeah. Taker being yep. the greatest of all time. But you look at Taker, great character, longevity, wrestling wise, he's up there. Dude, he had Taker good matches. Was pretty good in the ring. <laughs> that is true, but I mean, if you look at a guy like, especially for his, you know, a big man. You yeah, know. yeah, large that guy. True. That's right, Megan. Um, <laughs> um, and again, I mean, thirty years, same character, no changing. I mean, just really, tweaks. Yeah, Small just, tweaks just reinventing himself right. and doing different things like that or just adding layers to it. Like you go from straight up mortician, then you go to biker, then you kind of go to like a western cowboy hybrid, and then you end up getting the final take around the Boneyard match, which is kind of a Mark Calloway with superpowers. So, Essentially. I mean... Um, Lightning hands. So I think it's, I mean, Put your fist up, there was a fire, <laughs> like... <laughs> What's my wife's name? And then just rain falls down. <laughs> Hellfire rains down. <laughs> so I think Why is my arm bleeding? <laughs> so I definitely think it is all subjective, but you'll hear people just kind of go back and forth on who is and who's not. If you base it off of like every other sport with accomplishments, then it's simple. It's Flair Cena. Because those are the two guys in the I wouldn't even titles. say it's Flair Cena. I'd say it's Cena. He's done the most in the biggest company in the industry. That's... I mean, that is true. But the argument you can make for Flair would be a lot of world titles at a time where he was a traveling world champion. Because he was defending the NWA title literally everywhere because... Back in those days, that was the only world title. Like, they didn't really count. Now, later on, as the NWA kind of gets smaller and smaller, they acknowledge, hey, WWF title is also a sanctioned world title. But, like, in the early 80s, late 70s, the NWA title is it, apparently. So, like, you would see Flair travel from different territories defending that title because that was kind of the big thing. So, like I said, I think it's all subjective and it depends on what you watch as a kid. Because I can argue Cena being the greatest because you look at Cena, his whole run was 
our childhood. So even bias aside, though, it's kind of hard to argue with like how much money he drew. I mean, I would even throw Make a Wish in there. As but again, like you a can big thing. You can also just argue. Again, we'll, we'll have to move on at some point. Like, and I'm, <laughs> no. but like I, I'll always say, and we have the same argument for different sports and stuff. Eras. I think you have to have a greatest in certain eras. So even though I may say, and I may throw out that Flair is the greatest of all time, we'd probably argue greatest of like 80s, and then you got Cena being well, the greatest. I think now. I think it applies the same as it does when we're talking about sports. You know, you say eras, and I always say more times than not, you know, the sport that we're discussing evolves, and it's harder to do more mm-hmm. uh, the, the farther it gets into time. You know. Football, NASCAR, basketball, mm-hmm. all that stuff. You know, it was easier to win in all of those sports, you know, back in the day. Don't you dare disrespect the legends. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have said But see, I feel like wrestling is actually, to me, kind of the opposite. I feel like it's actually easier now to win world titles than it was back then. Because, I mean, to be fair, again, based on the old guard of wrestling, they only acknowledged a handful of world titles. So, like, if you won the world title over in, you know, Gulf Coast Wrestling, they don't care. But if you win it AWA or NWA, oh, crap, like, you're something. Now, you know, but, like, the schedule of a WWE superstar, I mean. Flair was wrestling the same schedule. The signings. The, like, T, like. Well, it wasn't a lot of that. No, lot, I mean, lot, was, signings, live events, TV. You know, late night shows. You know, Good Morning America. And like, again, I think it's on the criteria. If you if you include that in it, then yeah, seen as a no brainer. But if you're including just from the wrestling side of things with accomplishments and like and just involving the wrestling side, seen is still up there, just in the same argument with a guy like Hogan, Flair, stuff like that. So, yeah, five minutes. That's a good time to move on. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> By the way, was Flair mic'd up during this match, dude? I could just hear him loud, audibly, just going. Oh God! <laughs> he does that every match. He's just like I feel like his gimmick after he does when he comes to WWE is just I'm old. Like just like take the suplex. Ah, ah. That that one close up shot, Edge versus Ric Flair in that TLC match. <laughs> Edge hits a splash from the top rope to the table. And you just, oh, shit! <laughs> like right into commercial break. Oh man, this is a good back and forth match. Jericho does some great heel work. Um, again, very simple, very basic flare match. Uh, hits a low blow and then wins with a figure four, which is rare. Um, By the way, what's what's up with the whole, like, he tapped, but he's in the ropes? Has that always been a thing? I don't know Because I, I was like, but he's tapping. But technically. You have till five. If he taps. But the yeah. thing is, is that, no, no, but he has five to break the hole because the rope break, I guess, I guess it's overall like just the rope break. Tie goes to the rope break. It's like, hey, <laughs> hey, come on, break the hold. One, I'm tapping. I quit. Don't care. You're in the ropes. Two. I mean, I mean, that's three. Fair. I quit. Please like, stop it. Four. I think, I think it's stupid. Just, it's a rule being bended to to help the match. Like that's essentially what I think it was. Um, but he wins. Wins the match at ten and a half minutes, and supposedly, according to a few sources in the Observer. Uh, we trust him. We do. Um, the original plan was for Flair to win, but with an inside cradle rather than a figure-four. So, supposedly, Jericho uh, had mentioned changing the finish. Flair said, I don't want to. I don't deserve to beat you. That doesn't work for me, brother. Uh, <laughs> but here's the... I've never, I've never heard anybody really politic not wanting to change it. Like, like, you're still going over, but 
Somebody said, hey, I want you to use your finish on me. Like, oh, I can't do that. I don't want my finish to be protected. Um, <laughs> and then, apparently, Jericho is in this huge pep talk and then leads into the match. You're going to beat me with your finish. <laughs> You're Ric Flair. You stupid old man. You're Ric Flair, and I'm Fozzie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Fozzie. You're going to beat this rock star clean with your finish. Listen to my band. Chris, it's just not me to do that. I just can't do it. If this was, if, if this was 40 years ago. It's 2002, Rick. Like, still. If this it's not was, 40 years ago. If this was 1984, I would say, you know what? I'd beat you right there, middle of the ring, figure four. <laughs> shoot. <laughs> hey, 20 years ago, it was shoot, but now, you know. But now, you know, I'm, I'm 52 years old. I want to put you guys over, too. I've been on a three-month bender. <laughs> um, I have not slept an hour <laughs> in, in six weeks. So, uh... Yeah, so Flair actually didn't want to do the figure four leg lock, but Jericho politic to change it because he thought it would help Flair. Now, are we loosely using the term politic here? Did he politic like go behind Flair's back to like other people? I mean, like how? Do you, I don't know. I think politic you... was a very loose. Term. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was like, I was like how? very loosely. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure because I don't know. I'm sure he went to his agent that produced Max and said, "Hey, let's change the finish and." If Flair was probably if I were the that. agent, I'd be like, "Are you really trying to politic me, like uh, for Rick? Come on, dude! Like and it's interesting to see because you have fifty-two-year-old Rick Flair, who's not going to do much more, and then Jericho, who's still a, up and a coming, clean loss to Flair ain't gonna hurt him, exactly. Man. And, and I, I, think, I think that's what <laughs> and Jericho it still was wasn't clean. And that's what Jericho was trying to imply is that hey, you're gonna, one, you're low blow me. I mean, and two. Figure four lead lock, I tap. It's not going to hurt Jericho, and it doesn't. Jericho still does his mid-card run from 02 until he leaves in 05. So it doesn't really hurt him at all. Uh, solid match. He um, leaves in 05 and goes to Disney Disneyland. Vince, and I think Vince called him and said, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, quit. <laughs> next segment, we did Brock Lesnar in the locker room with his manager, Paul Heyman. There was a pep talk from Heyman saying that Brock has to take this guy out. Heyman says that Rock is going to bring everything he has, but Brock has to take him out early and leave as the undisputed heavyweight champion. Heyman said Lesnar's the next big thing. Tonight, the next big thing will arrive. <laughs> he wasn't there yet. No. Hey, <laughs> we're going to see the next big thing tonight when he arrives. Tonight. <laughs> Dude, Brock just like bouncing around and moaning and groaning took me out. Like, I. <laughs> just, he's just bouncing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, he's only been on the main roster since March. And he's already came to the ring and wins the world title tonight. That's kind of... I, I, it's still crazy because you don't see many guys do that now. I think the last person that did it that quick was probably Sheamus. Three months, wins the world title. Dude, Brock has like different eras of just freak athleticism. Like Back then, he was just like... I mean, have you ever seen videos of his shooting star presses that he connected with? Like, where he just jumps 20 feet in the air yeah. and lands perfectly on all of mm-hmm. them? And then now it's just like, he's going to run a million miles an hour at you and then pick you up and throw you in And then drive field. a tractor. And drive a tractor. It's it, it's old man strength. <laughs> it's, I mean, honestly. Country it strong. <laughs> it's amazing to see, like, especially because even though the style has changed for Brock, he has not lost a bit of athleticism in 20 years. Because I guarantee you, even though he does, he doesn't have to do it now. I guarantee you, he can hit a shooting star press still. Oh, like yeah. I mean, freak athlete. After hearing the story when Heyman had mentioned, hey, he ran like a 
four eight, four nine forty with a broken pelvis. Like <laughs> people like McAfee said this, and a lot of people joke around and throw it around loosely and say, "Oh, he's the alpha male of our species." There's an argument. Honestly, <laughs> I'm apex just predator. Like, honest, okay, hear me out for a second. Could we put Brock Lesnar, Shamrock, and Haku in a room? Who's walking out? None of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, the world may just, just explode. That's when the aliens invade. After they're after they're done with, we're no, no, done. No, 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 when the aliens invade, we're just gonna send those three. Like that's it. Like, what do y'all have? <laughs> we got a guy who bit a dude's nose off, <laughs> and the other one knocked out Randy Tour, <laughs> so, and then got knocked out by Kane Velasquez. <laughs> His cousin Kane Velasquez. <laughs> um, next up. Eddie Guerrero takes on Edge. Um, Eddie makes his entrance. By the way, not a fan of this thing's on from Eddie. It's his first one where it's the Latino. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Um, his better thing comes later when he introduces the low riders and teams up with Chavo. By the way, there was a sign in the crowd that said Deport Eddie. Yep. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, it's 2002. <laughs> it is 2002. It gets worse when JBL debuts. <laughs> Get back over that border. <laughs> Why? You poured him all the way back to El Paso. <laughs> <laughs> um, Edge comes out. Dude, how young does Edge look? Dude, like, not old at all. Not old whatsoever. Young? Because um, he was. He's like... Really? Boy, he's like 25? 24? I think boy. so. Does he... When did he debut? Like, 18 when he started wrestling, right? Yeah. He, so, he's probably... Yeah, he's probably early 20s, mid-20s. And... Looks, it looks really good. Uh, by the way, I like Edge and White Gear. I know I contradict myself when I mentioned it. Mania Thirty Seven. Do this. No, no, no. Because here, no, I think this may be this style of gear I liked him in. Only and, this with, with the white. Because maybe it's white and gold. Maybe the white and red crap he had at Mania Thirty Seven. I just didn't like. But, I loved it. Um, but I enjoyed. Which also, I to be fair, I guess I'm used to seeing him wear mainly like black gear or like black with red and stuff. So, like, white throws you off a little bit. But this era, he's changing. Big Georgia with, Bulldogs, yeah. Huh? Big guy. Yeah, big Georgia guy. Big guy. Um, <laughs> he, he loves Georgia by way of Toronto. Um, so, um, solid match between the two. Great psychology involving uh, Edge's shoulder, which got injured in a cage match a couple weeks prior. Yep, and you know, it kind of puts it over that he can't use the execution or the spear mm -hmm. or anything and like part that. of the story is that guerrero said he couldn't hit this like edge couldn't hit the spear on him so he's living up to trying to make sure that doesn't happen but it happened but it ends up <laughs> happening um really so much also i loved the entering psychology involving attacking the shoulder so much so where eddie does a frog splash onto the injured shoulder and i thought it was great to see someone's finish get altered a little bit um to actually affect the area that it needs to um edge is a spear at 11 50 and that's it. So, what'd y'all think? Solid. Yeah, it's a pretty good match. Good psychology. I enjoyed it. Psychology. Psychology. <laughs> Sorry. Um, really solid match. I guess if you wanted to nitpick. And I'm going to nitpick. Okay. Hear me out. Sure. Hear Let's out. hear it. Hear me out. He wins by hitting the spear with the injured shoulder. Okay. And he sold it like he hit it with the injured shoulder. Because he's stronger than pain. He he's... We put it over his life. No. Okay. He sold it like he hit it with the injured shoulder. He yeah. grabbed the shoulder and kind of got into the pin a little gingerly. I'd, I'd say it's fine. And she kicked out at one. <laughs> kicked out like, aha, injured shoulder. Gotcha. <laughs> Just, no. Um, 
But I don't care. I don't care about nitpicking. So good match. As you just got done. I said if you could nitpick, am I saying hey I'm going to nitpick because I hated the match? And then you no. proceeded to. Yeah, I said if you wanted to nitpick, you could say he hit he hit the spear with the wrong shoulder. And but I'm said, not going to say <laughs> I hated it. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say hey it ruined the match. It didn't. So, shut up. Anyways, um, a commercial airs, or a nice little vignette airs, uh, for World Wrestling Entertainment, our season never ends, and it opens up with a great line, our athletes don't have contract disputes. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> Wait a minute. Which is funny, because there's people now who are not wrestling because of sometimes of contract disputes. They're back now, but I mean, some guys will leave due to contract disputes or disputes over money and things. Um, it's apparently it's a nice little shot at sports that have seasons. Wrestling never has a how season. How dare they have a home life? You know, honestly, <laughs> how dare they have time to spend with their friends and family? It's crazy, right? Which, to be fair, I mean, do you think there's a way? Now, of course, people have talked about it before on different like, YouTube channels and podcasts. Do you think there's a way for WWE to have an off season? Because if it's a, if it's entertainment, so I'm really gonna get Ryan going when I say this, but I don't think he's listening. I <laughs> I think honestly you could be off, kind of like the NASCAR season does. If you, now I know that they're off longer, but if you were off just in the month of December, and like maybe a little like half of January, and then come back and build for the Rumble and get in the Mania season. You could do that. But the whole thing that sells wrestling is the fact that it's every week. Mm-hmm. It's and, the longest-running episodic TV show. And also the That's old right. mindset would be, like, oh, well, we need live events to make money, even though guess what doesn't make money anymore? Live events. <laughs> I mean, all their money is now made through TV deals. So uh, I like the idea someone mentioned of letting like guys have breaks Obviously, which they're kind of doing now. They're letting some guys take some breaks occasionally and stuff. But one per- like one person mentioned, like, hey, how about a group of guys after Mania? Boom, we don't see them until SummerSlam. And let them take months off. You know, find a way to write them off. Or just let them be off. And I think just let, let them be off. It'd, it'd get exhausting, like, trying to write people off TV. Exactly. Like, in storyline. And then that would also, that helps is you have some, some of your top talent maybe taking time off. And then you have some of your newer talent getting showcased. And it can all work, which we kind of see it now, but mainly with our older guys. So like, obviously, Randy, which Randy's hurt now, but, you know, Randy has taken quite a bit of time off. AJ's taken some time off here recently. Um, Edge, I mean, I think Edge just got written off again for a little bit <laughs> with his uh, injury in Dominic's match. Uh, obviously, up until, <laughs> I guess, Grand Slam, we thought Mox was going to take six weeks of vacation, so... I mean, guys are getting some off time a little bit, and they are making it a little bit better. Which is actually, honestly, kind of genius by Tony Khan, because <clears throat> everybody expected, okay, Brian's going to beat Mox for the title, mm-hmm. because Mox was supposed to take six weeks of vacation, but no, instead of John Moxley, I just won my third AEW title. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take my six weeks in six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds exactly like so. I'll take my six weeks when I'm six feet under. <laughs> Um, so I think that's the best way to do it, and I think, like again, they kind of do that now, but also they do give, and of course it's not saying much as their schedule's already too crazy, I think they all get at least one off day when they're not touring, and I think usually it falls on a Wednesday, 
I think most guys have a Wednesday off. It used to be when they were doing the brand split. They, they would go home it. and call up all their friends. Hey, you guys want to hang out? Sorry, we're at work. <laughs> <laughs> what? What do you mean? It's well, Wednesday, dude. So I think it's I think it's Wednesday. You know what that means? Okay. <laughs> they all get together and watch Dynamite on their off day. <laughs> um, but I think it's Wednesdays and maybe some Sundays where they're not running shows. But again, it's I think it kind of depends on who it is and who they're touring with and all that. In the brand split time, it was like I think maybe. It'd be a SmackDown Live event on Monday, taping, and then off, and then... But, dude, if you're if you're a Roman Reigns, like, Bianca Belair, Drew, Sheamus, people like that, you're probably, like, not going home at all during the week. I mean, Roman goes home a good bit, but he's still doing live events, Then again, too. he's kind of he's kind of more on a laid-back schedule. Maybe he wasn't the best example, but you know what I mean. Well, yeah, but you look at people like Drew, who's a workhorse, which, I mean, Drew was working throughout through an injury for, what, last year, I think he messed mm-hmm. up his back, and maybe part of this year he had a back injury. So you have guys like that. I mean, obviously, Seth's worked through injury. We noticed it with Cody working through a torn pack and still working events. So I think they try to balance it out as best as they can. Um yeah, but I think they could still do more. Then you gotta think Seth has a wrestling school. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I wonder how often he he gets to probably on the one off day. Also, you throw in, hey, I have a wrestling school and I'm married and have a kid. Like, <laughs> so you throw in that one off day, like, kind of what he do? And like, it may they may have increased it now because I don't know if they're doing more live events now. I don't know if they're doing a live event every day like they used to. So they may have increased it. I know they just recently had made the announcement where they're giving them a few more holidays. So like they'll have more days in Thanksgiving, more in Christmas. They, I then... think they added Juneteenth as like a floating holiday, mm-hmm. which means they can just use it whenever. Is that what that means? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that means that or if it's like, hey, if it's maybe if it falls on a certain day. I don't know how that'll work, but I know they've added holidays to or had more days. Pretty sure it was on a break. It was on a Sunday this year because we went to Slammiversary that day. Mm-hmm. But see, and then I had off that Monday. So that could be what they mean, maybe. Oh, y'all off? Mm-hmm. That's right. You have a, whatchamacallit? Government job. That's Government right. job. That's right, big dog. Um, <laughs> I work at a wine warehouse. I'm a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I work at a hospital. Ryan owns a hospital. He's clearly doing better than all of us. Yeah. Got a promotion this week. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, next match, the Un-Americans take on Booker T and Goldust for the WWE tag titles. One set of tag titles. They don't announce a, another set until October when they announce the SmackDown tag titles. I'm going to go ahead and say I love this match. I'm As a, you should. I'm, I'm, I'm a weird little boy. And How do you feel I, about Booker T and Goldust? I love it. Yeah, their vignettes and their segments they would have on Raw were great. Uh, and I feel like they really tried to recreate it when Goldust started teaming with Truth in like 2016, 2017. Did not hit the same mark whatsoever. Well. So, um, the Americans are the trio of Christian, Lance Storm, and Test. They do an interview backstage before the match with John the Coachman. They ripped on the fans for not appreciating them performing at a world-class level. That's a stretch. <laughs> By the way, there's 18 different wrestlers on this card. Three of them, or I think, uh, yeah, three of them were not world champions. Two of them are in the Un-Americans, so um, that being Test and Lance Storm. So this is a Raw match, and by the way, Jr. was on a different level on commentary. <laughs> yes, he was. He went from normal Jr. Good old Jr. Good old Jr. To I love America. <laughs> them Un-Americans, they don't like this country, just leave. <laughs> that flag upside down means distress. Like We know, you've said that every week they come out with they the upside down flag. They put that over hard. They did. How about the shirts? <laughs> just upside down flag, just in giant crappy letters. Un-Americans. Um, 
I like this faction, honestly. It's, I thought it was great. And, of course, it hit, like, right at the time we're getting into war. So, it's like, what better way to get some heels? <laughs> Let's get some Canadian guys. And then they crap on it a couple weeks later. And this isn't your typical foreign heel thing. No, this is not they're like... They're Canadians. Yeah, they're Canadians, which is Stereotypically the nicest people ever. And they're all Canadians that I'm pretty sure all lived in the U.S. at this point. <laughs> Lance may have still been living in Canada, but I know, like, obviously Christian's in Florida. Test may be in Florida, too. Um, so... I enjoyed this match. I really thought, I didn't think Butcher Team Goldust would have such great chemistry in ring, but they did. Goldust in the ring, period, is underrated as hell. Mm-hmm. He is one of, so again, 15 guys, won world titles that were on this card. The only three that didn't, uh, Lance Storm, Test, and Goldust. So, and truly, you can argue all three of them winning. I think Test, Test had the look for sure. Oh, dude, Test had the look. Just had no character. <laughs> like, yeah. um, Lance Storm had the wrestling ability, Ooh, did not man. have anything else. Goldust, truthfully, like, he can work a good character. He's not a bad promo. Uh, but instead of giving you any type of singles run, hey, we're going to electric you and give you Tourette's. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it worked. And, and he's memorable for that. So, um, he needs to win one. Like, I think he needs to win a world title at some point before he retires. He won't. But. I, I would be okay. Let him win the Ring of Honor World title. Let Jericho do it. Let, let Goldust win it. So, speaking of, Jericho winning the Ring of Honor World title, is he is he going to also be the reason, like, Ring of Honor gets their TV deal? Like, by winning their It'd world title? It'd be genius. Honestly. That would, I mean, that would be a genius move. Because he won the AEW World title at All Out 2019, and, you know, right when they got their TV deal, I he think... wins the Ring of Honor World title. What if in, like... December, January, Ring of Honor's booting up on TV, man. I'd be all for it. And I, I think it'd be a great move by Tony. Yeah. Which is not a thing I say a lot. <laughs> but it's 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 a thing I've been saying a lot more, a lot like, more than, than, I, than I was like a year ago. Yeah, now you look at him, okay, he made some pretty good moves. And if this is part of it, we're like, oh, Jericho's won the belt. Hey, let's maybe start trying to find a TV deal. Would Warner not be open for this? They, well... Or Warner might want them to just put it on Friday nights. I feel like they would want AEW to keep two shows. Because, you know, people people on Twitter throw, oh, we'll just change Rampage over to Ring of Honor. No, the well, deal is Warner wants two AEW shows. You've got... You've got... Uh, Dynamite's on TBS now. Mm-hmm. Rampage is on TNT. Mm-hmm. Ring of Honor on True TV? I mean, just have the trifecta. <laughs> Next up, after Impractical Jokers, Ring of Honor Wrestling! <laughs> And after Ring of Honor Wrestling, Impractical Jokers Marathon. <laughs> and after that, Lizard Lick Towing. <laughs> I mean, I don't... I think they want to keep it with Warner Media, but I don't really know anywhere they can put it. I honestly think their best bet could be streaming, but I don't think there's a streaming service. And the only streaming service that Warner has is HBO Max. And I don't think you would see a lot of traffic. Like they would just be putting it up there just to put it up there and stream it. So um, I don't know. I think it just just kind of depends on what TBS and TNT has. Mind you, TBS and TNT get busy in sports season because TNT has basketball, TBS does baseball, and then they both do March Madness. So yeah. they would be moved around probably and, worse and true, than what AEW already is. True TV is under the Warner. Mm-hmm. Plan. Yeah, they also do March Madness. Yeah. And we already see AEW get moved around for those sports. I feel like Ring of Honor would just get worse. Like, they'll just cancel. They'll like, cancel Ring of Honor. We're gonna put. We're gonna move Ring of Honor to Tuesday at nine a.m. Like, <laughs> what happened? Next game. <laughs> 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 oh, 
What's going on? Angels take on the Orioles, man. Like, I'm sorry. Hey, the Orioles might make the playoffs. Angels didn't. Anyways, <laughs> uh, big USA chance. Two best players in baseball. Can't do nothing. It's a, I know, right? It's incredible. <laughs> um, fans are really behind this match, really behind the faces here. Um, Pretty, you know, I mean, what do you expect? As they should. <laughs> there's, there's truthfully not, in terms of at this point, two more likable characters than Booker T and Bill does. See, I feel like anti-American characters now are face. It's like they come out there and they say all these things, and I'm just sitting there like, you know. What? I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> like, they're kind of right. Like America's terrible. Well, even even like the Americans are talking about, you know, like, oh, your kids here in America are so fat, but our kids in Canada, you know, have a college degree at twelve. It's like, okay, you're calling us dumb. I I see your point. Like, I get it. Like, it's understandable. Um, just use the classic healthcare jab. Honestly. <laughs> and here's the thing that could have made them better, and I think they add him later on. Put Riedel into this group. Oh, dude. I think, he gets, I think he gets added later, but having Riedel involved with this would have been great because there, there's your real mouthpiece. Tess is okay. Lance Storm, not going to talk about it. Christian's pretty solid. Not at this point. Oh, two. I don't think he's that good for promo. Later on, he turns out better after he does his TNA run and stuff. But, um... Solid finish. Butter T gets a scissor kick on Christian and Storm at the same time. Spin a Rooney. Uh, ref bump, of course. Uh, test runs into the ring. Boot to the face of Booker. And then Christian pins him. Love how the ref is just sitting up in the corner watching Tess boot the hell out of it's Booker. It's your favorite ref, face. too. Don't you love Nick Patrick? <laughs> You're, you, I, I realize, which I'm not far behind you, because all the referees you hate are all the most hated referees. No one likes Nick Patrick. No one likes Todd Armstrong. <laughs> like, I mean, there's some really bad refs that would be hired. And I will say this, and I'll, I'll mention it later on, I'm not an Earl Hebner fan. I'm a fan of his Twitter, not a fan of him as a ref. He's not my favorite. Yo mama, an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got it. Stupid idiot. It's 2014. <laughs> get, get a grip. <laughs> Damn right I did. <laughs> Uh, I'm so famous. <laughs> Nick Patrick does his trademark slow count, and the Un-Americans win at nine and a half minutes. Uh, you said this was your match of the night, right? I'm just such a weird dude. I, tag wrestling's great. I love though. tag wrestling. I, I have so much more in the past few months for some reason. Because mm-hmm. um, FTR, brother. I mean, yeah, them too. Love FTR. Um, this is also an interesting time for the WWE's tag division, because there's not many cohesive tag teams. I just This match came on, and I was... First of all, I was extremely tired, and I was just going to watch the show until I got tired. And I was sitting there watching this match, and I said, why am I enjoying this so much? I think it was entertaining. <laughs> I think you had a great foil with the classic anti-American heels versus the lovable baby faces. And I thought it was a good breather because you had just had, you've had three solid matches in a row, single matches with Kurt Ray, Edge Eddie, Jericho, and Flair. I think it was a good in-between, like, hey, here's a match. Not so much a bathroom break match, but here's something to kind of break the trend that we have since there's so many singles matches. Um, I thought it was solid. Uh, really, really good. I don't think Butcher Team told us when the tag titles until later on, maybe, like, December. They may have won it at No Mercy 2 I can't remember. But I remember it's later on until they win, because there's a great segment with Goldust dressed as Santa Claus. Um, and he ends up gifting Butcher T a tag belt. So... Um, then we go to the world in New York City. By the way, I think the world closes at the end of this year, uh, which is WWF Times Square. Well, that's what they call WWF <laughs> New York. I don't know why they changed it to the world. It was well, that was two years prior to Y2K. That <laughs> was. Um, by the way, have you ever heard much on WWF New York? It's a legit like restaurant, 
It's the whole world of hair. Like Merck Center, it's really cool. So I didn't, I didn't take notes on this one, but I remember distinctly at least one time they went to New York. There was just some out of pocket ass stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Is this the one? This is the one where we see Jamie Noble on the mic with Nydia. And yep. it's she had to pick one of the two guys there to make out with. Mind you, Nydia's boyfriend in kayfabe is Jamie Noble. So Jamie Noble, being the Reddit character, he is like, come on, baby, pick you one out to make out with him. And then as Nydia jumps on the dial and makes out with him on this weird couch. He is screaming. You like that, boy? Give that tongue to him. <laughs> I was scrolling through TikTok, and I, I, I look up and see that. I'm like, what happened? I love Jamie Noble. <laughs> uh, especially with this character where he's legit. Like I remember they did like an MTV crib segment. I remember they, that. They take him to a trailer. <laughs> um, I think he's Cruiserweight Champion at this time. But yeah, they would do crazy segments there. They'd also have like random mid-carders there to do like backstage interviews or something. Like I think it was maybe in 01. It was like No Mercy or something. Like, oh, who's at the world tonight? Hardcore Holly. And he would actually stay there and do a meet and greet and actually watch the show. Um, I don't think fans actually liked the world at all, <laughs> or even I hate wrestlers. this world we live in. I mean, I'm not far behind you, Shun. Um, next segment, Bischoff said that the woman, like Nidia, knows her place in this business. <laughs> not a boy. <laughs> uh, Stephanie said, Stephanie. <laughs> uh-huh. Stephanie. Stephanie said, women in this business are like herself, on top. And then they trash talked the next match, which is Rob Van Dam versus Chris Benoit. By the way. So that backstage segment with them talking, Benoit's theme jump scared me. <laughs> I was just sitting there, like it. it did you like, lock your doors? <laughs> no, I did not. But I <laughs> no, like it was legitimate. Like it, like the screen faded and then. I, I, I just, I kind of. Okay, looking a little spooked. Uh, a little spook spook. <laughs> Uh, Benoit's heel, and he's on SmackDown as the Intercontinental Champion. Uh, by the way, only one, well, European title and Harvard title is still around, but SmackDown up until Benoit winning the IC title had no mid-card belts. Because the U.S. titles are coming until 03. So, uh, the original plan was actually going to be, for this card, was going to be RBD versus Eddie, and I think Edge versus Benoit. But it got flipped around. Apparently, Edge didn't want to work with Eddie because of Eddie's previous issues, and he was afraid Eddie wasn't going to do business. So the original plan was going to be where they just swap them around. But Eddie obviously shows that he, you know, and I think that's when he butched it, but Eddie proves himself because he had just gotten back to the company and gotten clean, So, and they had a great match. So this one, very simple, back and forth. Uh, obviously, very similar to the opening match. Um just again, two styles that worked really well together. Obviously, Benoit being the ground technician and then the high flyer with RVD. Um, pretty solid. RVD actually wins the match in 16 and a half minutes with a five star. So, RVD brings the Intercontinental title back for all, which means SmackDown only has the Undisputed title, the Cruiserweight title, and the Tag title. Only three. But here's the thing the Undisputed title and the Tag titles are both brands. So technically, like even though they do have it, they only have one title. Technically, SmackDown ain't got dick. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Up until October, actually, up until like a couple weeks what later, later, um, later, <laughs> Stephanie, later. Uh, up until you okay, buddy. No, up until Stephanie signs Lesnar exclusively to SmackDown and then introduces the SmackDown tag titles in October. 
So I will bite your finger off. <laughs> Just, don't you do it, Shin. Anyways, what y'all think of the uh, RVD Benoit match? It's pretty good, man. <laughs> RVD did a great job in there. RVD was so good. He was great. He, I really didn't think RVD tore the house down. I what really didn't say. I, I mean, he killed it. I really I really didn't think him and Steven Richards should have a great match, but I was wrong. I was trying to do the whole like WWE treatment of not mention him at all. I and didn't. Just... He killed it. Stop. <laughs> you know what you're doing. <laughs> Stop. What are you talking about? What the hell are y'all doing? Post match, we did a shot of Eric Bischoff celebrating RVD's win while Stephanie was mad about the loss for SmackDown's Benoit. Uh, Pretty in, much just like, yeah, in your face, stupid woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, I think, just Bischoff at this point. Like, he's just, ha! You have no rights or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I can drive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who'd you vote for this year? <laughs> Eventually, which after Mania 19, they introduced a tournament for the U.S. title, which actually involves Benoit, and I think Benoit loses to Eddie. So, um, yeah, Eddie won in that tournament. He did, he did, because Rhino came in and interfered against somebody. Yeah, and Eddie picked up the win. He did. Yeah. Um, of course, RVD that shown celebrating with the title. Then we did another backstage segment. Bischoff tells Stephanie that she can watch the Intercontinental title on Raw, and then she just laughed in his face and left. No, first, she got really close to his face, looked him up and down, and gave him the eyes, and then, ha, 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 ha. Wish it was in laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Next match. This is your real bathroom break match. It's Test versus The Undertaker. Test Taker. Test Taker. <laughs> Under Test. Did Test fail the test? This is a test. Test, test. This is a test. That's interesting, by the way. Um, test makes his entrance with the upside down American flag. Um, Undertaker comes out on his motorcycle, <laughs> as American as he can be. Um, I'm not going to say that this was a bad match. It's just a match no one cared for, and I also didn't care for. Funniest part of the match was when Taker got him up for the tombstone and had the realization that the hard cam is on the other side, and oh, yeah. then did a whole 360. <laughs> like, it looks like something we would do in like SmackDown vs. Raw 09, just like, oh, tombstone. <laughs> Imagine just calling spots into his crotch. Gotta turn around, brother. <laughs> Wrong side. Brother, I'm not on the hard cam side. <laughs> Uh, Taker wins the match with a tombstone at 8 minutes, 18 seconds. A 360 tombstone. <laughs> the most devastating. He did one of those, like, indie wrestling tombstones <laughs> where they jump and spin with it. Um, I thought this was really solid. By the way, Test, I don't think, still gets enough credit. And I think we've mentioned this before in some of his matches. Test is actually was pretty solid. It's just, character-wise, he didn't have anything. Besides just being a big dude with a great look. Uh... I will so. say another thing about this match. There was a spot where Taker did his comeback. You know, he Shit. snake eyes, big boot, um, and Tess ducked the big boot. I just thought it would have been so much cooler if Tess ducked the boot, hit the ropes, and gave him his boot as kind of a cutoff. Mm -hmm. But they did something better, I think. What did they do? I know the finish involved Tess bringing, because we had a ref bump. Yeah. Tess brings in the chair, Taker gives him a big boot. Into With the, the chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, cooler, I think. I will say this. One thing I popped for was Taker does his clothesline. Mm -hmm. And Tess jumps for it, and it looks cooler. Like, I don't know, which, again, not from just paying attention close enough, but, like, I feel like if you jump a little bit more with some certain spots, for some reason that one, it looks more devastating. 
I mean, so I noticed one thing uh, in training: cross bodies. Yes. Um, I just noticed like when I like right as they're about to hit me, I like kind of jump and lean back right when they're there, mm-hmm. and it not only does it look cool, it feels just so like yeah. fluid. You like, know who really has at least recently in my memory? Dolph Carl Anderson. Carl Anderson will leap, and it looks so much better when he does it. And I feel the same way for Tater's clothesline. If you just jump a little bit with it, I think it looks ten times better. Because I'm kind of not the big fan of Tater's clothesline because he leaps, and it's all theatrical, but he barely grazes you for a clothesline. If you at least jump with it, it looks like there is some power there. Right. (laughs) So, um, really good. Or I say really good. Very basic. Tater celebrates with the flag after the match because... America. Because I'm American. Um... Post-match, Taker grabs the U.S. flag, poses in the ring, and then we did a video package for our next match, which is Taker, not Taker, Triple H and Shawn Michaels in an unsanctioned match. The video package was awesome. It really was. It was like their version of Austin and Rock's My Way. Yeah! This Okay. I knew it was coming. I mean, you, that, we see, all have... You said that for it. We all have wrestling ticks. We do. But is that wrestling ticks or just like white trash ticks? White trash. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, it's a WTT. <laughs> white trash tick. <laughs> I think wrestling's probably covered under that. Uh, it probably, yes. It probably is. Yes, I mean, 100% it is. I think we've noticed, if you like wrestling, you probably also like Nickelback, Creed, Limp Bizkit, NASCAR. Might, uh, might watch a little bit of NASCAR, yeah. Buck Cherry. Alabama football. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Um, great video package. It focused on the friendship going back from, to 97, 98 when Sean leaves. And then uh, they tease bringing back D-Generation X when Triple H gives his best pedigree and leaps 10 feet in the air. <laughs> So it's the damnedest pedigree I've ever seen. Yeah, and then they also had the famous scene where Michaels is beaten up in the parking lot, and they had the security footage, which is very pixelated, like we're watching Minecraft. And then oh, I wonder who it was, and they just, which by the way, I don't put Minecraft music behind that clip, please. <laughs> That'll be our TikTok. <laughs> just as it reveals, and all the pixels go away, and it's Triple H, and you just hear, you just hear Sean saying, "It was you, Hunter." <laughs> I just, I just love how every time an unsanctioned match happens, you get that spot of the authority figure saying. You know, officially, this match will never happen. And Triple H said, but it will. You know why? Because it will. Because On it will. TV, in front of millions, in front of thousands of fans, with a referee in the ring. You know, maybe if there wasn't a referee, it'd be a little bit more believable in terms of this is not an official match. I'm going to drop about that in a second. Okay. Because <laughs> I hated it. Did I just waste 45 seconds? No, not at all. No, 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 no. Um, Michaels comes out first in thunderous pop. Oh, yeah. Tons of pyro, tons of confetti. By the way, the outfit that Sean's wearing for this unsanctioned match. Talking about he's wearing his full-on entrance gear with the chaps and the and the sparkly vest. Jeans tucked into his wrestling boots, which, by the way, are cowboy boots that are obviously designed to be wrestling boots, along with a wife beater with Philippians 413 on it. <laughs> so, I mean. That's the, that's the verse that's in every white girl's Instagram bio. Probably. That one, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know. Uh, what's, what's Philippians, Philippians 4, 13? I can it? do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yep, that's the one. There you go. Good so, one, but still, everybody has really to their bio. But, I mean, to be fair, it made sense for Sean because he hasn't... Well, okay, false alarm, or I say false alarm. He's wrestled since 98, <laughs> but in WWE's mind, kind of like with Cody, like, he's been gone six years. <laughs> he's done nothing since. Sean well, this guy hasn't been hit like that in six years. Yeah. Sean wrestled a match for his own promotion in, like, 2001. Speaking of 2001, this match was actually supposed to happen at Mania X7. But 
Sean's personal problems is what caused it not to happen. Deshaun eventually gets let go. Um, originally, they had mentioned Mike Tyson versus Triple H in a boxing match. Triple H, Sean stepped this big feud, which would have been this match essentially in 01. Sean has his personal problems. Supposedly, Triple H and Sean didn't speak to each other after this. Oof. Up until Sean comes back and wah, gets wah. playing. <laughs> Bring it down! <laughs> um... So they have this match. It is unsanctioned, or actually, it's non-sanctioned. Huge difference. Lights out. Not because when the lights go out, (laughs) there will be one more match. (laughs) Um, Also, Triple H was top babyface at Mania 18. Well, at least going into Mania 18. Once Mania 18 ends, he's not. It ends up being Rock and Hogan. But uh, also, this I enjoy Triple H. He's actually one of my favorites. He is so much a better heel than he is a face. I think he's, he's so much bestest at he's, being bad. He, he's the bestest at being the best. Um, so this is not quite Reign of Terror. We're only like a couple weeks away from Reign We're of Terror. We're getting there. We're getting there. Um, solid match with some good back and forth, but I will say this. I'm starting my gripe. Too much like a wrestling match. There's some stuff in it a little bit that seems to me it's a little too wrestling. Interesting. I got more of a brawl vibe. Did you? I mean, it's certain aspects of it, yeah. And here's why I'll say it's more wrestling. Now to my referee rant, because you have a referee there. Oh, that's fair, yeah. And, it's, and, that, and that to me, when you have a referee in an unsanctioned match, which, by the way, if it's unsanctioned, that means the referee has not signed anything to be there. So he's not legally obligated to be You can walk there. away at any moment. He is doing this for fun at this point. What a sick bastard. Exactly. So, automatically, you take this blood feud, oh, it's unsanctioned. There's hold, there's, there's, there's hold harmless agreements. There's NDAs. I, I mean, hold, hold harmless agreements. Eh, close enough. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and, With Sean. And then let's get Earl Hebner. Oh, I didn't love his Twitter. But when then moments of pulling out a weapon in an unsanctioned match, he stops your blood. Hey, don't, you can't do that. I can. Like, there's. I could actually whack you with it and face zero repercussions. I no can, fines. I, I can murder Shawn Michaels right here, and there's not a thing you can do. I about could pull it. out a gun from under the ring. This is the purge. <laughs> Literally, that's. Um, I mean, essentially, that's. If what I ever have my own promotion, that's what an unsanctioned match is going to be called. The purge. The purge. I like it. All crime is legal for however long the match. Lasts. Another wrestling promotion's coming for soon. Thirty li- minute time limit. Thirty minute li- limit. <laughs> um, thirty lemons. <laughs> but again, so you kind of started off with it having a wrestling vibe with the referee and, and the referee pretty much doing what he would normally do in a wrestling match, besides rope breaks and DQing people with weapons. But he's getting pretty close to it. By the way, diving splash off the top rope through a table on the floor doesn't scream blood feud to me. <laughs> exactly. How about planches? Like. <laughs> Now, trash cans, ladders, weapons? Absolutely. To me, just like, what screams like blood feud in an unsanctioned match is like fighting. Headshots, blood, like... Which we get. Yeah. Honestly, I would be fine if every unsanctioned match ended in like, not a pinfall. Like, So you're saying knockout. Like, literally, like a lights out match is ending by knockout. Yeah, Yeah. submission to like, I would be tapping, sure, but like pinfalls. It's kind of like fight pit. Because Fight Pit is yeah. kind of unsanctioned. Yeah, which I'm so excited that that's coming back. It's going to be really fun. Um, so, I agree. Like, I think it, it, it you when you have pinfall and submissions and stuff, it's no longer an unsanctioned match. It's a wrestling match. It's a wrestling match. So, I, it kind of lost it for me there. But, of course, still a solid match. I enjoy, of course, again, psychology. 
Triple H hits like three backbreakers in a row. <laughs> to Dude, focus and, on and the those back. backbreakers, he would like lift his leg up and like go. Oh, oh yeah, man. yeah. And not to mention, we see him uh, get crotched on the top rope, steel chair to the lower back. When he got crotched, Jr. said, "That is not a place a male athlete wants to land." And then he goes, "Or most male athletes." What do you mean by that, Sean? <laughs> he said that today <laughs> he was ahead of the game <laughs> he was saying some bullcrap even in 2002 by the way i don't know if this is a i don't think this is a bad thing but like there were so many points in this match where i'm like oh, this is the finish they're about to wrap this up for a match like this maybe not like, I, I feel like it's okay to have with certain matches especially your bigger matches with great story yes i think some near finishes could definitely help because they really built up Sean losing this match because he hasn't wrestled. He still could be hurt. You know, obviously he's recovering from getting his head. Th- By the way, speaking of the head getting thrown into the window, they show the clip of Sean just with ketchup all over his face laying down, and they show a clip of the car. And what I mean, the car, like the hole where his head supposedly went through, is the size of if you just hit a baseball through it. Like, just really, really tiny. Maybe he didn't go all the way through. Maybe he did a little eh and then just ran away. But it it looked horrible. It didn't but add up. It didn't. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I've thrown enough heads through car windows to know that it makes a bigger hole. You know, it just made a bigger impact. Okay. Anyways. Um, great psychology. We also see a backbreaker onto an opened up chair, which was pretty solid. Of course, we get tons of blood. Triple H bleeds profusely. Sean bleeds for a little bit and then comes back. Um, and of course we get to see the finish. We actually see Michaels' comeback with the flying forearm followed by the kip up. Which, by the way, Jr. popped huge for the kip up, as if he's never done it. And he's like, oh, oh, he's kipped up. Oh, oh my, oh my, he's he's done it. Hey, we ain't seen it. that's vintage Shawn Michaels. Okay, yes, I mean this finish was awesome, by the way. It really was, yeah. So we see, um. Michaels tunes it up for a sweet chin music. Hunter catches the foot and wants a pedigree. Michaels flips over with a bridging pin and covers him at 27 minutes, 50 seconds. Um, huge pop for the fans. Oh, fans ate that finish up. Yeah. Uh, like and then Christmas dinner. <laughs> I hated that whole segue. <laughs> you know what? Hold on. Sidetrack. We've done a lot of stupid stuff, right? That was not planned. But the Christmas dinner fell by... I feel like is <laughs> chemistry, man. I feel like our bar. I'd love it if they just couldn't even have heard me done that. Oh, they definitely. Oh, they heard it because I turned your mic up before the show. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. like, I feel like our bar is just, or maybe it's not. Maybe that means we're getting better. But I hate this. So. Uh, does it? Did, did you did, ask? Um, I gosh. personally didn't I, it's, ask. It's, it's now my. It's now my. Did you ask? <laughs> he said no. Hey, I don't remember asking anybody. <laughs> Hey, you know what? We have a great idea. Let's bring the podcast back. <laughs> you know what? Let's bring the podcast back. And you know, for the past eight we episodes, peak. nine episodes, I've been waiting for this moment. It's been great. You know, it's, it's going to be great. You know, it's going to be different. <laughs> but honestly, did, but did I ask? <laughs> Quite did. frankly, I never promised it'd be different. <laughs> so. Okay, okay, maybe that's on me. Maybe I set the bar too high. <laughs> we're, we're sitting there talking about how it's going to be different. And Ryan's just like, yeah, that works for me. <laughs> <laughs> Even though Ryan's mind's like, to make this guy <laughs> wrap his car around a tree. Like, just, just said, I ain't changing for nobody. 
Anyways, JR uh, commentates after the win, saying, In 25 years, I've never seen as much courage in a will to win. It's all about the winner's purse. JR was, in fact, on one. Yeah. This whole show. It really started when he started being pro-America. Like, it just... Pumped him up. It did. It really did. It got him going. Yeah, so... um, Juices flowing. Sean sold the bat great. (laughs) (laughs) That was even better than the Christmas dinner one. I'm so glad I... Got his juices flowing. (laughs) Anyways. Great psychology. Sold the bat and... It opens it up to maybe have a match down the line. I'm not doing that. <laughs> it 100% did. Um, but apparently, according to uh, like rumors and stuff, it was not going to happen. Supposedly, this match was a one-shot deal with Sean. Because <laughs> uh, they were a little worried about his substance. Even though he said he was clean and, of course, his life had changed, they were still worried about his health with the back. And the issues in the past. I, you know, we're playing. I'm not playing alone now. Like, I'm, like this show's over now alone already. Like, I'm trying to, we're, we're trying to get rolling, shunt. If you high five me, can we move on, please? I hate you. Like, I honestly, you know what? Turkey? Okay. Good God. <laughs> Anyways. Good night. Uh, apparently the plan was for Sean to wrestle this match and then they maybe look back at one a couple months later, um, which they, they kind of stay true to. He still appears on TV a little bit, but he doesn't really start wrestling until about October or so. Um, and wins the world title at Spire Series 02 in the worst ring gear possible. So, yes. Um, so yeah, but originally this was just going to be a one-time thing, maybe a couple more times later on, but they wanted to see if he could stay healthy. And stay clean, and well, he does for the rest of his run. So, um, Michaels, it's helped to his feet by Earl Hebner and kisses Hebner on the cheek. Well, how the doctor came out in full get up as if he were like a doctor, you know what I mean? Like, usually it's like trainers come in. You Do you know? want to see him coming in with ring gear? Dude, <laughs> literally, trainers they usually come to the ring wearing like black pants, tucked in shirt, and a belt, all right, with equipment, not. Long white coat, like, like, what is this? Goosebumps, like, shit. He was there to operate. <laughs> he was here to do surgery. <laughs> he's doing his clinical trials in the back. Like, <laughs> just passed. Like, lean just... forward and call for me, Sean. Like, that's the doctor, you know. All right, rock, rock, <laughs> main event. <laughs> Anyways, celebration ends because Triple H hits Michaels in the back with his trusty sledgehammer. Um. Hebner calls for help. Hunter does the crotch chop and leaves. So, <laughs> so it's main event time. Uh, but before that, we did Howard Fantle in the ring doing a promo saying he had to get some things off his chest. Howard mentioned this is the same arena where he announced WrestleMania 2. Trish Stratus comes in for some reason. Um, and then I think it's just building up where Fantle's mad that uh, Trish slapped him. End of the segment, Lillian not slaps him. Not gonna lie, did not pay any. Did not know this was even on the show until I watched until I watched it, and I'm pretty sure I, oh, I definitely didn't pay attention to it. So this is all just being read. No, oh, yeah. Uh, Fink gets slapped. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Main event time: Rock and Lesnar. They show a video package showing Brock winning King of the Ring 02, showing uh, the Rock winning at Vengeance. So pretty big match. Obviously, you have the next big thing followed by, I guess, the big thing with the Rock. Um, so, this match was pretty solid between the two, um, good back and forth, 
again, I think The Rock was very open to letting Brock get a lot of his offense in because Brock looked really good in the match. Um, Brock's like Brock. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Uh, very simple match. Then we get to the finish as we see uh, Lesnar goes for an F5. Rock slips out. Rock goes for rock bottom. Lesnar fights out with an arm twist right into the F5. Huge ovation. Lesnar wins at 15 minutes, 50 seconds. He's your new undisputed champion. And at this point, the youngest world champion in WWE history. Record gets broke in 2004 by... The Viper. Well, he's the legend killer at this point. No shit. Okay. Same guy. Yeah, different characters. His, that's we're the not, no, same no, 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 no. name. This late in the show, we are not doing this, guys. It is the same name. Guys. <laughs> he didn't even change his name. Ryan, you were right. Matthew, you were right. Randy right. Wharton. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Pretty good. Solid. <laughs> what? Uh, really not bad. The crowd I liked it. was... <laughs> You I thought it could have been better. <laughs> you chose this one. Like it's, like, you, you did it. Brock Rock, pretty good. You, you kind of figured this was going to happen at some point. Good, good show. Rock Lesnar. The fact that it's happening, Best main event. The fact that it's happening in under 10 episodes shouldn't surprise you. It's, you know what? Like, it, you done a good job. Pick episode. <laughs> All right. Let's get this shit over with. Anyways. Good one-off, seriously. I, I enjoyed watching it. Yep. I'm actually being serious. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Me too, I did. I did enjoy well, the show. No, Ryan was in there like, this is stupid. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is bullshit. I actually, I, I actually only watched Put a Team Gold Dust. <laughs> Favorite match ever. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good show. Uh, this main event was pretty solid. The fans did not like Rock. Yeah. Here's why. They knew Rock was leaving. Oh. So it was already kind of going through the rumor mill that Rock was leaving for Hollywood. He cuts a promo at the end of the show that wasn't aired during the pay-per-view. Cuts a promo. They immediately sandbag it, boo him, cheer Rocky sucks. So, now mind you, this promo is supposed to be baby-faced, kind of heartfelt as a nice, wonderful goodbye. The moment Rock hears them booing and, you know, saying Rocky sucks, he flips the script, turns heel, leaves. And then we don't see him again until Smart, No honestly. Way Out 03. Yeah, I was reading like a bunch of comments after watching the promo, and they said his wrestling IQ, I mean, he changed it on a dime. Also, he, it's not like he can't change it. He's gone. He's leaving for six months. A lot of guys would have sat there and ate a shit sandwich and exactly. just let the crowd take control of this yeah. goodbye speech. Mm -hmm. Instead, he took it by the nuts, and he ended it, I mean, the best way possible. Yeah, and this, I mean, this leads us into Hollywood Rock, which I will still say I love The Rock, and maybe it has been because of nostalgia reasons, but Hollywood Rock, I think, is one of his best character renditions he's done of, of The Rock. Um, but he's gone. I think he ends up filming, like, The Rundown and Walking Tall and a few other movies. San Andreas Fault. Um, I mean, just... Great Iron Game. Tooth Fairy. Let's just name every rock, but be cool. Doom. <laughs> the Game Plan. The Game Plan. Hey, great movie. Actually, my favorite rock movie. Really? I love The Game Plan. Uh, for me, Pain and Gain. Well, that's good. That's that's a okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So he leaves. He's gone for six months. So at this point in time, even though you're looking better and better, this show's kind of a great kickoff to see the new era of WWE. It's still kind of weird because Rock's gone, and then in two years, Brock is gone along with Goldberg. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the crazy part is that you're now down two of your biggest stars ever because Austin leaves in the summer. 
Rock just left. Hogan sporadically there. Um, 05, Eddie passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know about 06. Kurt leaves. Kurt leaves. 07, mm-hmm. no need to elaborate. Yeah. Um, so and then like, 08 was really the start of like... That's the thing, because you're seeing, you're kind of seeing them start and stop with certain things, because they put in a lot of money and investing into Brock. Brock's there two years. Same with Goldberg, hey. Which, to be fair, I will blame part of Goldberg's bad run the first time on the reign of terror. <laughs> like, oh, if yeah. he's on SmackDown, that dude's world champion for a while. Yeah. He's on Raw. The game! <laughs> so, so, and I will, Tuesdays. I will still argue also with Scott Steiner. Does Scott Steiner get signed at the same time Ray does and debuts at Survivor Series, well, Scott Steiner's gone by 04. So, like, you have a lot of these guys. And, of course, to be fair, Goldberg probably should have came in in 01. Steiner should have came in by 01. It could have been a better run for them. But they were, obviously, the ones to sit home and get paid. I don't blame them. I, I would um, do it. <laughs> but you're at a very interesting time because you do see, again, Rock's gone, Austin's gone. Taker is kind of in a weird stage of his career. He's big evil, but he's not really main event. He's kind of just floating around up until he feuds with Brock. Um, so it's just interesting, but yet, as you see, they kind of get into a better year. And I say as they actually get better and better, even though like a month later, they start Katie Vick on Raw. So, I mean, and of course they have the Billy and Chuck <laughs> commencement ceremony to go around the same time. So. Which you'll be choosing soon as a one-off. I know you I will. almost chose it for this one. I really did. It's a great episode, honestly. <laughs> so, uh, interesting time for the company, but it goes to show they start building new stars. Ray gets bigger. The sm- or really, it's the SmackDown not physically. In general. No, 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 not, not <laughs> physically whatsoever. Uh, Popularity-wise, he does. Um, you know, obviously, Eddie gets some prominence as we go on. Cena starts his run as Dr. Thugonomics, I think, in 03, definitely. He kind of starts it in 02. I forgot to add, they lose Jericho in 05. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Christian. Even though Christian doesn't do much throughout 02 to 05 as a mid-card heel, Part of that's his own fault because they asked him how to cut your hair, change your thing up, and he didn't want to. So, okay, we're gonna do, we're gonna use somebody else. Yep. Um. So they do lose a couple of guys around this point that can maybe hurt them, but yet they still kind of plug away, still build new stars. And O2 is a great prime example of it because they they just lost your two top guys. Well, here we're gonna try to fill it in with some other guys to kind of fill the holes, like RVD. And I forgot to mention RVD should have been a world champion in O2. Yeah. I could argue, like, number three or four babyface behind your big three, which would have been Rock, Austin, and Hogan. But now with those three kind of gone, it's Sean and RVD. RVD doesn't win a world title until those six. But it's whatever. You know, they're done with now. But really solid show. Um, I'm gonna, It's not Mania 7 level. No, um, but it's really good. But it is really good. I will argue greatest SummerSlam ever. I yeah, mean, sure. I don't have any. Because I can't think that. of any that are that memorable. I mean, besides this one, we're start to finish entertaining matches good story um you know but maniac seven i think is hard to beat so for sure um next week boys we get to talk some current day even though we talked a little bit about it sporadically throughout we get to talk some current day uh next week kind of discuss some things that are going on maybe hear some more news on some stuff that's going on like a white rabbit maybe hopefully there will be more out yeah hopefully so you know punk could be could could be officially gone with a buyout coming you know so uh, as well as maybe some other stuff that we could see happening. Extreme Rules is coming up soon. So Soraya. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, tons of stuff going on. Obviously, we, we could have easily talked Victory Road, you know, all night tonight, but who wants to do that? Bobby uh, Fish. Bobby Fish, our boy. He's going to hawk to everybody and become a TNA champion. Um, so, that being said, for whatever you want to call this episode, 
This has been another wrestling podcast. You can follow us on social media at another wrestling pod. But until then, and until next time, for me, Ryan, and myself, and win. <laughs> <laughs> For me, myself, and Ryan. I'm sorry. Not gonna lie, in my head, I legit thought I said win. <laughs> in my head, it sounded perfect. It didn't. Anyways, for us three, <laughs> we'll see y'all next time.